This podcast is brought to you by Uni Pizza Ovens, the world's number one pizza oven brand. Welcome to the Pizza Pod Party. With Arthur Bavino and Alfred Schultz. On today's show... Mo Rocca of CBS News and the Mobituaries podcast is our guest. There's pizza news and the pizza topic is, does candy belong on pizza? I'm thrilled once again to have somebody from CBS Sunday Morning on this program. We were lucky to have Nancy Giles weeks ago and now we have Mo Rocca. I am a big fan of that show, Arthur, and thrilled. I'm Alfred Schultz. I'm Arthur Bovino of NYC Best Pizza. I'm the head of pizza content for Uni Pizza Ovens, and I grew up in a house with World Book and Britannica encyclopedias. And I actually don't hate DC's Jumbo Slice. I mean, that is elite status that very few people um, have experienced. Britannica and World Book. I, I'm not trying to brag. I just the, if you if you had anything below in an A on any research paper you should be ashamed of yourself my mother was an educator so there was a lot of reading of oh, why don't you oh you have a question why don't you go read the encyclopedia go check it out i spent a lot of days in those books yeah a lot of afternoons writing uh assignments for, on different topics throughout those encyclopedias um and i don't think you know it's hard for me to choose between one or the other the world book was much more accessible britannica was much more kind of in the weeds I have my mom's, I think it's 1985 World Book Encyclopedia upstairs in my house because my mom was going to get rid of them and I saved them. Um, I sort of adopted them. I should be awarded something for being such a a nice human being for doing this. But now we have these beautiful leather-bound books that are incredibly inaccurate. And we had a wonderful conversation with Mo Rocca about this very thing, but it was off the record. So yes. maybe if you meet us in some bar somewhere late at night, we will be lubricated enough to discuss it with you. But it was off the record. Yes. Halloween spooky, huh? You scared? It's very I'm scared. Spooky. You haven't said anything about my my attire today. I am dressed as uh, ready for Halloween as Bowser. And, you know, did you watch the Mario movie, right? Every time I yeah, think fine. of this show and think of that movie, I always think of Jack Black singing... Pizza, 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 pizza. Oh, I love you so. Is that from the movie? Also, like, there's a lot of, I've noticed in this show, where you are sad I didn't mention your clothes. You're very thirsty for some attention on your wardrobe. Because at the very beginning of this show, one of the episodes, you commented on a hat that I wasn't wearing. And so you've Hmm. always put it into my head that you're observing my wardrobe and criticizing it. Always. Not even silently, but out loud. So that is that is in my mind. You I have PTSD from from that. And that's where it comes from. Well, fun show today. I I like this one quite a bit. And I and I do like all of them. It's okay. Look, we book this show. We book shows that we want to like. And so we Mm -hmm. like all the guests we have. We like our topics. So it's fair. It's not weird that I'm saying I'm excited for today's show. Uh, The pizza topic I'm not thrilled with because it sounds gross, and we'll we'll get to that later. And I'm sure you're going to give me about 75 pizza news stories (laughs) that I just won't understand (laughs) at all. But I also want to mention this uh, guest, Mo Rocca. Super pumped to have him on the show. 
He is someone who I've followed his career quite a bit, and he does these great segments on CBS Sunday Morning. He has for a long time, and I like this interview with him because it reminded me of, oh yeah, Mo Rocca also used to be on The Daily Show. Mo mm-hmm. Rocca this is a very unscripted Mo Rocca. He's very eloquent and very funny. Easy to have a conversation about pizza with, for sure. And uh, he's like buddies with my brother, Bill. So he's been sort of in my orbit a little bit uh, for a few years now. So I was thrilled to get him on. You know a lot of famous people, Alfred. I, I know a lot of people that know famous people. That's okay. I don't know anybody, really. I have a lot of dirt on people. That's how we've gotten good guests. But I also want to mention real quick, the Detroit Free Press, Lindsay C. Green, uh, name-dropped us in a recent pizza article. So you can check that oh, out. Thank you so much nice. to Lindsay and the Detroit Free Press for mentioning our episode with LZ Granderson about Detroit-style pizza, something I've thought a lot about since then. That, that episode is, just keeps coming back. And I expect there will be more references in the future. Before anybody from um, many of my friend circles reaches out to correct me after listening to this episode, I want to come clean about something, Alfred. Oh, no. I did go to Georgetown University, as I noted in the yeah, interview. Yeah, in every episode you say that. Go ahead. I said, I said, yeah, you're smarter I than me. I got it. Four years there. And that's kind of not really true. It was it's kind of a five year plan. So I just I just want to come clean and make sure that nobody like catches me out on that. There was just, you know, some time, some time taken. Well, you wish you got accepted <laughs> to the University of Maine. It's very difficult when I was there. So uh, you wish. This isn't a competition, Alfred. Let's get to the news. It's time for Pizza News. We're at the end of October. If you haven't been following him, now's a good time to check in. 31 Days of Pizza. Every October, New Yorker Sean Taylor embarks on an eternal quest for the perfect slice. His rules, he eats a slice each day at a different pizzeria with at least one guest. I've joined him. It can be a lot of fun to eat a slice of pizza with a stranger. It's almost the perfect amount of time. We should talk about this as a topic at some point, Alfred, but check him out at 31daysofpizza.blogspot.com or at 31 days of pizza. I want to be invited. I bet you if we tag him, he'll be he'll have you on the list for next year. Uh, let's not be too thirsty like you are with your clothes. Go ahead. Oh boy. All right. On today's candy pizza theme, Motor City Pizza in Louisville outside Dallas has been selling the Texas Ranger in honor of the Rangers Major League Baseball postseason run. This bases loaded pie features hot dogs, relish, onions, ketchup, mustard and Cracker Jack dust. That's from the Dallas Morning News. Spooky, spooky. One of my favorite food trend sites, Trend Hunter Pizza Hut Taiwan, has released Da Ghost Pizza for Halloween. It incorporates Hong Kong-style barbecued pork rice rolls and smoky, boneless chicken feet. There's a ring of smiling Hong Kong-style barbecued pork rice rolls that look like little ghosts. Then below them, a ring of those boneless chicken feet that look like ghoulish hands. It's being touted as the world's First pizza that tells ghost stories. I think I'm being punked because can you actually have boneless chicken feet? Aren't they just bone? Five Nights at Freddy's animatronic steals the show in their movie debut. That's the Gizmodo headline about the movie to be both in theaters and streaming on Peacock, an expansion on the popular video game franchise. Alfred, I know every time I talk about video games, you roll your eyes. It follows a down-on-his-luck security guard who takes a gig at a rundown children's pizza entertainment center, Freddy's Fazbear's Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, say that three times fast, despite a history of children going missing. 
It's a weird thing. I played video games growing up like a normal person, I guess. But <laughs> I am always a kind of astounded how many adults I know yeah. that I'll all of a sudden find out after years of knowing them that are gamers. They're gamers. Yeah. It's interesting. Are you a gamer? We've got some we've got some gamer stuff coming up down the road, which will be or are you or, a gamer? Uh, which will be um no, I I used to I don't have time to play video games. Oh, wow, I, I so busy. I just Mr. Dude, so what? many Georgetown reunions. You've to cut go this to. from a pre <laughs> you've cut this from a previous episode, but I feel like uh I am the Joe Gould of pizza, writing stuff about pizza that nobody knows about that may not actually even exist. Anyway, this one's from Sora24. It's a little complicated, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Pizza Pizza Hut is campaigning to become an Osaka Konamon food. That's a flour-based food. If you don't know, Osaka is the third most populous city in Japan, best known for its food and nightlife. Now, food in Japan is traditionally based on seafood, soybeans, or rice, and traditional Japanese foods based on wheat flour are typically limited to okonomiyaki and takoyaki, two foods Osaka is also known for. So to me, and I could be wrong, yes, but this seems to be a story about a pizza chain trying to continue to make its way into wider acceptance, but also uh, the foothold that it's already gained uh, in Japan to be even in this conversation. Kind of an interesting story. Today's topic is... Does candy belong on pizza? No. All right, moving on to our guest, Mo Rocca. Got it. Thank you. All right, so... It's it's interesting because you'll see the company like uh, Archie McPhee once did pizza candy cane. So you see pizza going into the candy world. If you haven't already seen articles with titles like Turn Your Leftover Halloween Candy Into a Delicious Dessert Pizza, they're out there, uh, often relying on cookie dough crust instead of dough, featuring Snickers and M&Ms, peanut butter cup pizza yes. with peanut butter drizzle and peanuts that allows you to take advantage of those surplus Reese's. Like anything else... This is this stuff is not going to make a bad pizza taste any better. That's for sure. Um, I think that, you know, you can have a balance of sweet salty for sure. But most when I think of this topic, I think mostly of a tweet that makes the rounds every year since at least 2017. It could go back farther of a DiGiorno pizza covered in candy corn <sighs> with the caption, tis the season, my dudes. Now, DiGiorno actually responded for the record saying pass. So they weren't into it. But that one was at least a savory pizza. It's it's inspired a, f- a few years later in 2021 in the Berkshire Eagle, a peanut butter candy corn pizza monstrosity yes. that doubles down with miniature marshmallows, dry roasted peanuts and Reese's Pieces. Um, this candy corn theme, it like continues. There is a candy corn stuffed candy corn pizza. Uh, this is from this year. It's actually kind of a more clever play on this where it's a savory pizza that looks like a candy corn. I saw this on CBS2 uh, KUTV. It's covered with salsa con queso dip, cheddar at the outer edge. You can imagine this. Crusted nacho chips up to the crust where that cheese edge is, then sour cream at the point. So it looks like a candy corn, but actually isn't sweet. doesn't look very good, but I could actually get behind that one. Like that one's just like playing with the visual. I just feel like I'm going to vomit on all of this. But yeah, it's just gross. I mean, Tony Bologna's in New Jersey did a North Pole pizza in 2019 in collaboration with a pizza delivery app inspired by Elf. You had spaghetti infused with chocolate that was mixed with mozzarella and baked into a square grandma. Chocolate, jam, peanut butter, and maple syrup were simmered into a sauce and poured on top. Then marshmallows, icing, sprinkles, whipped cream, chocolate syrup, and crushed candy canes. That same 2017 is like the 1955 from Back to the Future year where like everything comes into the 
same place and all happens at the same time. But a cotton candy pizza hybrid in Japan was created in March to celebrate the annual Spring Blossom Festival. It was actually pretty popular. It was a Sakura cotton candy pizza at Schmatz. Uh, not schmutz, a German pub in Tokyo, thin crust pizza with three cheeses, a huge swirl of cotton candy, cherry blossom petals drizzled over with a hot honey ginger sauce. That's a little resonance for our episode here with Mo that dissolves the candy. This sounds like a Mad Lib. Right? So, okay, we're almost at the end of this, but... Here's a couple more examples. Industry Kitchen in New York in 2017, again, did a thick layer of cream cheese frosting, cotton candy, and Pop Rocks. And the same place in 2019 uh, did a rainbow crust with cream cheese frosting, Pop Rocks, sprinkles, and cotton candy. Listen, again, none of this is what I want to eat. But I think the most interesting perspective on this maybe comes from pizza writer Dennis Lee, who has trashed on uh, candy corn pizza over the years and reported on it, but actually recreated what he called an infernally stupid pizza with two different styles, Neapolitan and Detroit. And then after testing these things, decided he was going to try and make it taste good. So he did a cheese, no sauce, baked, removed, add the candy corn and a handful of peanuts, then let it finish cooking. And then they topped it off with fresh green onions and sriracha. It even made it to Pauly G's Wicker Park location as a limited time offer in 2021. He said it actually tasted pretty good. So again, I think, does candy belong on pizza? No. It can it, I, it's not something I want to eat, but if it, like anything else, if you take a responsible, balanced approach to it, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uni Pizza Ovens are excited to introduce their first indoor and outdoor pizza oven. Uni Volt 12. Uni's first all-electric oven, Volt, offers maximum versatility and performance in a beautiful modern design. Whatever the season and in any weather, you can make great pizza. Univolt is so convenient and easy to use. Just plug it in and you're ready to go. Not only does this oven look great, but it reaches 850 degrees and cooks pizza in just 90 seconds. To learn more, visit uni.com. That's O-O-N-I dot com today. It's the Pizza Pod Party special guest. He's the humorist and journalist you know from his time at The Daily Show and NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. He hosted My Grandmother's Ravioli on the Cooking Channel and is currently a correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning. His CBS podcast, Mobituaries, started its fourth season this month. It's Mo Rocca. I mentioned this in the interview, but I, I am listening to Mobituaries, and good Lord, it's good. And I just even recently, I wish I, I wish we had talked about this with him, but a recent episode... Mm-hmm talks about the mid-Atlantic accent, which is like that Hollywood accent that when you watch an old movie from like the 30s and 40s, it, Roosevelt's accent, ah, so much to chew on with that. I love that topic so much. We used to cover that on Sit Down with Alfred and Chris back in my Sirius XM days. I love it. So I wish I had time to talk to him about uh, the mid-Atlantic accent, but this is a really fun conversation and thrilled that Mo uh, came on the show. I know that you like to give me a hard time anytime I mention Georgetown or the New York Times, but sure. we, we had so much more that we could have talked to with him yeah. about. And that's always just such a great feeling and also a frustrating feeling because you're just like, oh, my God, we could have kept talking for so long. It was so fun and this is great. Um, but, you know, obituaries 
to me, it's really fun because and interesting because you know I wrote obituaries and wedding announcements for the Times, and they both follow these very kind of formulaic structures that you kind of we talked about Mad Libs before, like that kind of do fall into this like Mad Libs kind of feeling. Um, it's just there's just so much interesting material here, and it's so not surprising that he's done such a great job with the podcast because of that. But there's a there's also a book that I wanted to ask him about called uh, 52 McGee's, which is also a book about obituaries. If you kind of never have looked at the back pages, quote unquote, of uh, your local newspaper to to read an obituary, it's really interesting stuff. Um, I used to read the obituaries at the Times before they were published. So you, there was just a bank of these obits that you could go in that had been written in advance, advance obits. And it was just always such an interesting thing to think of how people's lives are being talked about well in advance of their deaths and the preparation that has to go into writing a good obituary. So it's just, it's just a fascinating topic. Go funnel a beer and have fun listening to Mo Rocca's conversation on the Pizza Pie Party. I'm a little upset we weren't recording when we had our really entertaining discussion about encyclopedias. <laughs> so I think the public just got ripped off. So, I mean, that's their loss. But it was a very compelling conversation about the value of having very old, outdated, uh, leather-bound encyclopedias that no one else wants. But let's get started. I mean, we can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Let's save some time for later. Uh, <laughs> Colombian mother, Italian dad, D.C. That's your background. Let's talk about pizza growing up. How did that inform? How did that background inform your pizza, your childhood memories of pizza? Well, I don't know if it's that pizza was outlawed in Colombia, but I didn't have a lot of pizza at home. And that is not a complaint about my mother <laughs> at all. She was a great yeah. mother, but we... We didn't, and she also, she lives a few floors up from me and she's during this taping going to come down and pick up some chicken that my partner made. Okay. And so, Makes sense. And yeah, but, but I left the door unlocked so she can, I don't always leave the door unlocked people. So I just want you to know, you cannot come just in here at any time. I'm not setting myself up for, you know, for a burglary here, I hope. But, um, um, but she, so I think that we would have frozen pizzas at home that we okay. would put into the oven. Um, and I do remember that as a child, I just wanted to know Mama Celeste. But mm. I think that I think that Mama Celeste might have been like Betty Crocker. She might have been the Italian version of Betty Crocker, you know, that she wasn't really a real person. Um, but she had her own line. Does she still have a line of pizzas, Mama Celeste? So she actually is was a real person. We've talked about this oh. on the show. Celeste oh Lizio, 1908 to 1988. She, she had the nickname Mama Celeste. Apparently, she came over to uh, the U.S. in the 1920s in Chicago. And that's where that line, I believe, came from. I think oh there's an obituary uh, coming out about her soon after this conversation. <laughs> I mean, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, because I, I love the idea of it, real or not, like Ethan Allen. Like yeah. Ethan Allen really was, right? A revolutionary. And Betty Crocker is not a real person. But Mama Celeste, it turns out, is not only a real person. She's also a, a revolutionary. <laughs> so she's basically Ethan Allen and Betty Crocker combined. Absolutely. Um, and then we went to on Wisconsin Avenue. Um, we would go to um, the I guess it was was it called just the Chicago Pizzeria in Washington, D.C., where I grew up. Arthur, are you going to know this? 
There was an Uno that was on M Street in Georgetown that was Chicago. Is that what you're talking about? Or Well, I actually worked there. No. Okay. I am not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. But <laughs> growing up in more in Tenley Town, I mean, um, more towards Maryland, there was, I just think it was just called the Chicago Pizzeria. And so when Deep Dish came to Washington, because what a lot of people don't understand is Washington may be the center of power, but it is so dowdy and kind mm-hmm. of unfashionable. Like, you know, no one dresses well. All khakis. And, uh, and, uh, khakis. They think right? they dress well, though. They think they dress well, but every it's just not a sexy place at all. And <laughs> no matter how much money they pour into the place, it will never have a sexy vibe to it. You know, sushi came really late to Washington um, and uh, and Thai food. Like we thought it was a really big deal, Thai food. But, you know, Thai food had been everywhere else, had been probably in Cincinnati for a decade before it came to D.C. Um, but deep dish was a very big deal when it showed up. And everybody was talking about deep dish, deep dish, deep dish. So that was a sort of a special treat to go there. My grandmother, who was Italian uh, and a terrific cook, never made pizza. It was uh, she made ravioli and I created a whole cooking show around her ravioli. Yeah. Um, But then when I finished college and I came back to earn money to move to New York, I worked two restaurant jobs at the same time and I would work at Pizzeria Uno's on M Street. I love it. At the corner of M and, and Wisconsin. And it was stressful because they had the um, five-minute lunch, the express lunch. And if you didn't get it to the table in five minutes, it, they would get a, a discount on what? what was already a low price. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was – yeah. It was also – it was equivalent of the – what I think is now outlawed. And yeah. I also did this. I worked for Pizza Movers, which sounds fake, made up. It sounds like, you know, the, you know, um, but it was a real company – um, and I delivered pizzas in my in my Mazda, um, and uh, and you had to make it in thirty minutes or less, or they would also get a discount. And and in both situations, and I worked both these jobs. If you were late too many times, they would actually dock your pay, which is oh kind of crazy. God. So they were incentivizing you to just run over people in you know for pizza movers and at Pizzeria Uno's to just trample people. So you know. Yikes. Well, I am uh, so happy we're getting some of this background. I didn't know a lot of your pizza bona fides. I mean, you obviously are a big uh, food fan based on a lot of your uh, the programming you've been a part of. But this is this is I hope this is an exclusive. All of the, the this pizza work experience you've had. It is an exclusive. And I'll Great. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll also tell you, if I may, that when <laughs> I was 20. When I turned. When I turned 24, <laughs> 24, 25, when I turned, I was living in a sixth floor walk up in Manhattan on East 80th. It was a great little apartment, uh, $800 a month. And I had a roommate, so it was $400 a month. Wow. And two very close friends of mine, their sisters, Jeannie and Stephanie, lived around the corner uh, from me above a Japanese restaurant on 2nd Avenue. And no one had rem- it, 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 no one outside my family had remembered my birthday that year no. and these two girls are so amazing they're very close friends of mine they're they're like family and when they realized they felt so badly and they said what do you want and i said and it just came to me it just came to me on my 25th my 25th birthday in 1994 it just came to me that i wanted 
a pepperoni pizza with anchovies that okay. I just wanted something that that felt a little bit extreme to me. Hmm. And and I just and I just wanted it so badly. And they found one and they rushed it over and then they didn't really eat much of it because I don't think they wanted a pepperoni pizza <laughs> with anchovies. And yeah. a lot. Like I wanted to I said, I want a school of anchovies. Yeah. I don't want just like anchovy. And I don't want like the bullshit. Like, what is it? The Peruvian, the white anchovy? I don't want that. The oh. albino anchovy. You wanted the gray no. ones. Like the, the real. gray ones. Yeah. The gray ones that were like, that were basically like eating into, a, like chewing, biting into a salt lick. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. and and I think it's because I grew up, and I'm, this is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. I grew up with a kind of a bland diet. And so I was the person who really liked college food that has a lot of salt. So, so salt to me was like crack cocaine. And, um, and, um, and so, um, yeah, so that was a really fond pizza memory. Well, you mentioned college and we've had a lot of opinions about Boston, Massachusetts pizza. Now, at Harvard, you might have been too busy studying, but do you recall having pizza opinions? Do you recall having good pizza in the Cambridge, Boston surrounding area? I think my mother might have just walked in. Hold on okay. one second. Okay. Ma? Hello? The chicken is just in, in the Tupperware on the corner. Okay. She's very shy. Um, the, um, um, I, um, hey, Ma! Send down a bologna sandwich. <laughs> Suddenly we're in the battle. Put extra anchovies <laughs> on it. Yeah. Hey, my. Why? Yeah, that's right. Because right in those old movies, right? Yeah. The, the dead end kids. Hey, my. Send down a cheese sandwich. Yeah. You're in Queens in like a little townhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. 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 Hey, Close to in the backyard. Ah, come on. <laughs> so um, I am trying to summon my Boston pizza memories and I'm, I'm Regina, having a hard- Galleria Umberto, any of these places have any meaning to you whatsoever? Well, the first one you said was? Regina. Regina, I do remember. Yes, okay. I do remember. And I think I probably kept it very simple. Mm-hmm. I've never liked a terribly, I had a phase where I think I liked a complicated pizza. I mean, and I, you know, and occasionally I will pop into two boots and get the one where they have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but yes, in college, my, I, I had a, um, a fairly, um, I wouldn't say a Spartan pizza regimen, but I kept it, I kept it very streamlined. In uh, we were talking about DC a little bit ago. Um, yes. One of the things this may be like after your time spending a bunch you know, eating pizza there, but um, the, the jumbo slice is a thing in DC. These extra super large slices that have become known in Adams Morgan, and people basically just you know they get wasted and then they need something to sop up the um, all that booze. Um, there's this relationship with people in DC with the slice, with these jumbo slices where they, they hate them and they make fun of them. And I, I feel like you were talking before about DC being very unfashionable. Like, I just think that they should own that this is one of their signature food items. This mambo sauce and the half smokes at Ben's Chili Bowl, like just own it. Just, just embrace it. That that's what it is. Absolutely. And I think it would actually give DC some real personality. There and you go. A jumbo, sli- a jumbo slice goes perfect with a shotgun beer, which is, <laughs> and I, I, I was actually, I was, I was actually better at funneling 
Right. Mm. Yeah. We get the actual funnel. I was totally. very good at that. Um, it's always a and, terrifying uh, experience and then goes down shockingly easy. <laughs> well, you know, it does go down shockingly easy. Right. Well, I was very good, but, you know, I did a lot of Gilbert and Sullivan, so I got really good at moving from my chest voice into my head voice and saying it's all about opening up. And so then you just let it in, right? They say that's and, good uh, for funneling. I've read that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I am the major model of a modern major funneler. So, um, the, um, um, got a uh, title of this episode. Right. There you go. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, um, I think DC should absolutely embrace that you know but when 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 deep dish came to dc it became like this very very cool thing so thin crust became so déclassé right it was just it, hmm. you, i i distinctly remember um shakey's shakey's was an institution um in dc and it had a pizza oven it was in bethesda in the heart of bethesda and what i remember most about it was going to pizza parties there, um, birthday parties of different kids. And the most wonderful thing was to go and just gorge yourself on pizza. And then hopefully you were driven there in a station wagon. And to just be able to sit in the way back on the way home from Shakey's. The backwards had seat. All that yeah, the way, way, the, the, yeah. basically the death chamber Illegal. there. But yeah. totally. And just having eaten all this pizza, being all hopped up and being back there with a bunch of other kids, like pinballs ricocheting if the parent made a really wide turn. Mo, there was a, this is, so there is a place that lives in my memory from high school, 19, early 1990s in the area. I went down to DC. I'll never forget this because I went down to DC for junior state and we went down. It was like the first time I was away, like from my parents or whatever it was, you know, you're doing the United Nations kind of thing. And uh, with a whole bunch of other Stop kids. It's the first time I, like, I flirted with a girl, really like, at, you know, okay. whatever. Relax. And like. Can you hold this? Like, <laughs> this is a long wind up here already, Alfred. Come on, I'm trying to set the scene. And we went to a pizza parlor that was packed and like Warren like in the DC area. And I've never been able to figure out where it was that this pizza place was, even after four years of being down in DC going to Georgetown. So, does this, does a place like that ring any bells to you? It's like really Warren like with like very loud kids and lots of tables all squished together and many different rooms. So, what you're describing sounds very much like Shakey's, which was very much of a pizza parlor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it had, it was dimly lit and it had, I don't want to say not Tiffany glass, but the kind of like octagonal colored panes, small panes of glass separating different rooms. And it was Warren like, and I believe there may have been more than one of them. So mm. it could very well have been one that was in DC, not just in, it, it may not have only been in Bethesda, but just the phrase pizza parlor. I love that. Yes. Because it wasn't a pizza joint. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was a pizza parlor. And I would argue New Yorkers might be a, a demographic that don't understand that as well. Because while the, it's like the pizza mecca here in New York City, it is, I don't think they understand as well the coziness, the round booths often, like the pizza parlor event. That's my, that's like my favorite thing. 
It's it's the allure of it. Yes. It's um there's something very velvety about it, but there's something kind of smoky about it also. Oh, yeah. And a little bit mysterious. It's it, cigarette machine. Par- yeah. The pizza parlor is DC's version of the opium den. <laughs> I told Very you cozy. that DC Love was it. a little nerdy. <laughs> that makes it pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it was very cool. It was very cool. And it's interesting that now that we're talking about it and the, and the fact that it had a real pizza oven was a very big deal. Yeah. You know, I went to, to, to Catholic grammar school and boy, there was a girl, my brother's year. She was a couple of years older than me named um, Rose Segretti. What a great name. Yeah. And her father, Mario Segretti, had um, a pizza place on River Road, the corner of River and Little Falls Road. And boy, this thing was such a shack. But that's how they made their living. They ran awesome. a, a, a takeout pizza place and, they, and it was thin crust. They moved so much pizza. All this is just coming back to me now that we're talking about this. I hadn't thought about this in many, many years. This is like pizza therapy. <laughs> it is pizza therapy, but it was a very big deal. And when I think about it, I picture him like in in my mind's eye, he's Vic Tabak and Alice. Pick up Dingy. But he wasn't that even. And I loved that was he was Mel Sharples was just so great. But of course, that was in Phoenix. Um, um, and uh, um, but 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 I remember. And now that I think of it, how cool that this guy ran this pizza place that everyone went to. And got their pizza from, and it really was kind of a shack. And but he put his kids through school. He put his whole family through school. You mentioned um, Jesuit uh, prep school. Um, you know the Jesuit. I went to Georgetown, as I mentioned, um, Jesuit school, and the Jesuit mission is to kind of find God in all things. And um, I'm wondering if there's if there's any spirituality that you kind of look to when you think about pizza. Is there any God in pizza? God, that sounds like a Waylon Jennings song. Also, how many times have you been asked that? I mean, such a cliche question. God in Mexico. No, I think that there is family in pizza because it's one of the first foods I can remember getting excited about. Like the idea of pizza. I mean, I think probably as a kid... It's kind of birthday cake and pizza are probably the first foods you get excited about. I bet if you polled kindergartners on what their favorite foods are, if this this was family feud, like kindergarten edition, you know, and uh, 100 people surveyed, the top two answers, I bet, would be birthday cake and pizza. So, I mean, it's – and they're both things that are part of a whole – that then have to be divided, mm-hmm. which is somehow really wonderful and sweet and familial and how things should be. So yes, there is God in pizza. Love it. It's a nice metaphor for like empathy and uh, tolerance, I think. There's also a good segue to, you know, talking about mobituaries and life and, and death there a little bit, talking about God. Alfred, do you want to well, talk about I- that a little bit? I do. I, I I wouldn't say this, Mo, if I didn't believe it. Uh, I plowed through this new season of Mobituaries, at least the episodes that are available right now. And uh, it's really good. Obviously, uh, you're doing an amazing job. You clearly have really good producers. It's really well done. So I want to say that uh, I, just the fact that like 
I mean, your conversation with Anderson Cooper about the, the, the people who died, the celebrities who've died on the same day, the fact that, like, I had such a visceral memory of the first celebrity deaths I remember, Sammy Davis Jr. and Jim Henson. They are forever linked in my head because I have really? a full-on memory of that. Absolutely. And also being you confused. Who is this? Who's this bearded hippie who's the voice of Kermit? That's confusing. <laughs> uh, that was a very weird lesson to learn right then. Um, and also, like, it, it, Sammy Davis Jr., I, I, I was, like, six, and... How did why did I know him so well? I'm like trying to even remember. Um, but that was such a big thing. So that episode is fascinating. And also just the fact that you have uh, Peggy Lee on helium in an episode is just worth the price <laughs> of admission right there. So that's well, an exclusive. Yeah, well done on all that. Um, Thank now you. I'm, I'm curious because I, I've, in the trailer, there's a tease for an upcoming episode and you are talking about buffets and it just sounds like you do not like buffets. What is, if you can give us any information about why you hate buffets, I would like to hear it. It's easiest for me to explain why I hate buffets by telling you why I love cafeterias. Hmm. Intriguing, That's interesting, yes. So a cafeteria has someone with a hairnet, someone branded, a professional brandishing a ladle, Mm -hmm. Right creating that perfect mound of mashed potatoes with the depression in the middle into mm. which he or she pours the gravy, yep. meat mm. or, or cream-based. Um, there is a guy or a gal with a paper chef's hat, right? And okay. uh, um, over a side of roast beef with, with that sort of red-orange light coming from overhead that looks oh, a little yeah. bit silkwoody, a little radioactive, but also just makes it really <laughs> delicious. I think that the all-you-can-eat buffet or any kind of hot open food bar is democracy in its purest form, which scares me. I, um, it's an, it's anarchic. Spoken I don't like someone want, who's from DC, by the way. Continue, sorry. Right. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to be handed a pair of sticky tongs by someone I don't know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the cafeteria is more of the small R Republic model where we basically, in trust with authority, people we trust. I know that that's uh, at this point sounds ridiculous and insane, but um, but I- I'm just scared by the hot open food bar, by yeah. the, the the lack of control there. The sneeze guard isn't enough for me. Well, I wish this was something you had thought about more, though. I, I feel like you just have this opinion without thinking about it, and that's kind of irresponsible. Um, so maybe you know, try to find out why you have this opinion. But, you know, it does come back to pizza because when I talked to Kim Severson, who's written about this for The New York Times, about how Golden Corral made a big comeback after the pandemic, um, she she asked me if I remembered the Pizza Hut buffets. Yes. Which which I actually didn't because we didn't have a Pizza Hut near me. I, I knew about them, but I'd never been to them. So do you all have memories of the Pizza Hut buffets? Similar to you, I was far away from one, but I um, I went maybe once or twice, and it's probably exactly how you picture it. Yeah, it was a, it was a big part of the uh, the episode that we did with Roy Wood Jr. Also, he talks about the Pizza Hut buffet. Um, yes. I, I I very distinctly remember it because uh, at the time they were the goal was to try and have a. A, a pile of salad so high that you could make one visit and get back to your table and not spill it, but you could only go once. And so like people would try and like stack it like a foot high. And it was like an art form in terms of where the garbanzos were and the lettuce and everything else. So I very much remember that. Um, but Mo, I want to ask you something 
what are, what, are, what are your thoughts on Pizza Rodigio then? Because this feels like to me, this marries all of these worlds together. In South America, at least in Sao Paulo, there's this tradition that I experienced down there where they would bring pie after pie out and you could try one slice from every pie if you wanted to and get all of these flavor experiences, but you weren't, you know, reaching behind some kind of sneeze guard or whatever it was. Or, and there was there was a professional bringing the pizza around to you. Does that sound like a pizza buffet-ish kind of thing you could get behind? I love it. It, it sounds a little bit like pizza dim sum in a mm. way, right? Like that, that you have professionals handling yes. these pizzas and bring like sort of pizza orderlies in a way, but these people bring pizza these pizzas to you. Well, they're br- and they are bringing order, and they're bringing the pizzas to you. And this is what is it called? Pizza? What? Rodigio. Rodigio. Yeah. What, so what it's like Rodigio? when they when they do the meats, they bring the meats by in the Brazilian churrascarias where uh, they bring. Yeah, they bring them by your table. Um, no, it's funny because I I love to speak fake Portuguese where, where I take <laughs> Spanish and I just keep adding a jao sound to everything and then pretend that it's Spanish. Um, yeah. Cállate jovoca. <laughs> Quiet your mouth. Anyway. but um, It almost um, sounds like uh, Star Wars language at that point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. So, uh, P- Pizza Rodigio sounds great. Okay. You you host mobituaries, uh, you know, a little bit macabre because we're talking about dead people. And this is going to be our Halloween episode, October 31st. So I have a very uh, a very hard-hitting question for you, Mo. What pizza topping scares you the most? Mm. Take your time. I know I don't like green pepper. I yeah, feel like get green pepper. Yeah, green pepper. I don't trust the motivation behind <laughs> people who put it on the pizza. I feel like they're just trying to... It's it doesn't taste like anything, and they're just trying to sort of. It's fake razzle dazzle. I think our green peppers. You should um, be skeptical. Yes, I have a lot of very skeptical, very uh, impure motivation when I order it. So yes, I don't think ham or pineapple, and I and I like pineapple, but I don't want it on my pizza. Sure, I wouldn't say that sure. that scares me. <laughs> um, the pizza topping that scares me. Well, I mean, uh, sausage, I'm trying to eat less meat these days. So sausage, you look at it and then you think, where did it come from? So maybe that, maybe that's the least appealing to me right now. Okay. That counts. Yeah. I think that's probably, if you, if you named some, some might trigger me. Well, olives, black olives. I'm not. I'm not cool with that. I'm not cool with mushrooms. Those are those are my two main. And like broccoli, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't love a broccoli. I'll have broccoli on the side happily. I just yeah. don't want that on my pizza. I, I think that it, they shouldn't be combined in that way. I think that's scary. Yeah, and I understand why mushrooms are probably upsetting because they're so they're kind of slippery. Yeah. No, they they it's like they yeah. they mushrooms can be creepy. Mm-hmm. They can totally. be creepy, which probably make them a good Halloween ingredient, but yeah. Yeah. In the vein of your podcast, is there a pizza topping that you believe deserves a second look? I might say black olives deserve a second look. Mm, Well, I have to disagree on that one. Yeah, I don't mind. I mean, uh, um, yeah, Putinesca pizza, I think, um, 
why haven't capers made their way onto more pizzas? I'm a big fan of capers. I do, I do not like peppercorns, but I'm a fan of, of capers. Interesting. Mm. I don't know how I feel. I've, I'm going to have to take some time to burst. think about that. Yeah. I mean, pizza puttanesca could be kind of interesting, right? That would probably be olives, capers. What else goes into a puttanesca? It's alliterative. It's alliterative. So it's anchovies, yeah. olives, capers. I think yeah. is the basics. Yeah, it's my kind of thing. To deviate from pizza slightly, but still on the Halloween theme, you strike me as someone who has maybe some opinions about Halloween candy. And what are your biggest hot takes when it comes to Halloween candy? Um, apples. I only I only want apples. No, because I, I'm still busy. If you grew up right, I don't know if if you grew up in the 70s and and early 80s, you were freaked out, right? Because uh-huh. the whole razor and the, the apple razor thing. Board. Um. Um, favorite, favorite Halloween candy. I mean, I like candy corn. I don't know that I yeah. like that. It usually comes loose. It used, and it used to just come loose. You just, you know, th- those are the days when you just trusted, um, you know, loose candy corn. Um, um, I mean, I love an almond joy. I mean, wow, I've always yeah. loved an almond joy. Yeah. More than a mounds. Mounds is too mushy for me, but an almond joy is, is perfectly balanced. I would not like to go trick or treat at your house uh, based on the candy corn love and the almond joy love. No, thank you. Thank you, but no. Pizza trolls out there like to, around this time of year and, and around some of these holidays like to to uh, throw out some pizza photos of pizzas with candy corns on them. There's also Peeps Pizza around Easter. We're just wondering about any thoughts around the place of candy on pizza for you. Well, I now, of course, I'm just going through all the holidays and I'm thinking <laughs> acorns on a pizza for Arbor Day. Yes, that's very big. 100%. <laughs> and I'm also trying for Flag Day. I'm not sure how I could create an America, turn a, a slice of pizza. Well, that would be more like, um, it's like flag an America's cake. Cup. Yeah. Like it would be like the little flag, like on a sailboat. Um, the um, uh, uh, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> does, does, is there a world where candy belongs on pizza ever? Yes, I think, yes, I think the candied ginger. Hmm, interesting. Wow, okay. Oftentimes adds a little bit of zing to, I see, you know, it can work, candied ginger can work, or candied walnuts. Mm, that works in a salad. Like, I'm wondering if a little blue cheese and candied walnuts could work on, on a pizza. Probably not. We'll have to call NASA, I think, to figure out something like that. You know, has I, I one question I have for you guys though sure. is has paper plate technology kept up with pizza? I mean, because the other thing I remember that from certainly from like the 70s and the 80s are paper plates just stained orange, yeah. right? And I'm surprised that I don't have memories of more slices just sliding off onto the street. I think the trend has been to have a little piece of very thin tissue paper in between the paper plate and the pizza slice. But also in my house, Alfred, I'll bring these out to show you later on. We have uh, actual plastic versions of those paper plates that we use over and over again. Um, Mo, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind playing a little game of uh, Bluff the Listener in honor right. of doing your wait, wait. So we'll read you uh, three stories. And if you could just identify which one you think is the real story. Okay. 
Picking up on the fascination with McDonald's own cult classic McPizza, long since discontinued news comes that Arby's is test marketing a new pizza topped with its classic roast beef in Columbus, Ohio. If all goes well, it's expected to launch in the summer of 2024. And our second story, the latest item setting social media on fire is called the Jochitsa. To make it, you'll need to go to Costco and order three food court items, a hot dog, a chicken bake, and a slice of pizza. You slice down the middle of the chicken bake to create room for the hot dog, bun removed, remove the cheese from the slice, and place it on top of the dog. Once assembled, you're meant to add more toppings from the hot dog bar, diced onions, relish, ketchup, and mustard. And our last story, finally some good news in the NFT world. Pizza, I believe that's how you spell it, P-Y-Z hyphen A, an anonymous digital artist, is currently ranked as one of the highest grossing artists in the NFT world. He sold a record-breaking $21 million NFT featuring a New York pepperoni pizza. Mo, which one of those stories do you think is the real one? I think the real one is the second story, which reminds me, I did a story on Mexican hot dogs and how elaborate they can get. And um, in Hermosillo, and then they have them, they're big in Tucson as well. And that's sort of what I began to picture when you were describing it. So I'm going to go with story number two. Well, you are correct, Maraca. <sighs> From the Daily Meal, the Jochitsa in total, the meal will cost you around $7.48 before <laughs> tax, weighs in at over 1,000 calories. One TikTok user called the meal the best Costco menu item. Never mind that assembling it pretty much puts you squarely working for the company. While others said they felt sick just looking at it. He's a pro. Mo, how did you, how do you do that though? How do you, <laughs> like when you make up these stories and the, can you give us any like hints, like to try and actually be correct, like to actually try and stump somebody. And then also like how you kind of hedge to know which story. The hardest position to be in. And I think most of the panelists on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me would agree is when you have to tell the real story because you're trying to, fool the listener mm -hmm. and think that the in that case that the real story is actually fake but you're constrained by the facts which are always pesky those facts and so you just have to write it in such a way that it still stays within the bounds of truth but sounds ridiculous and they're like little tricks to doing that um yeah i knew that the, but i knew that the nft wasn't real because i think hasn't the, hasn't that sort of collapsed yeah or, yeah or, 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 <laughs> I, I'm lumping it together with cryptocurrency. That's why I'm we just, tried yeah. to do the whole, like, actually, here's some actual good news. Maybe yeah. if I had framed it in, here's actually some good news, then maybe that would have helped. I don't know. No. no. Uh, you know, can I ask you guys, is, do, <laughs> do kids in the schoolyard, going back to our, our, our um, Bowery Boy days, our dead-end kid, you know? Yeah, wow. Let's go. <laughs> Do kids still call each other pizza face if they've got, if they're, if they've wow. got zits? I don't or maybe, know. Did I, that go out with four eyes? <laughs> I feel like I, I have a daughter who's four. I have nephews that are like basically teenagers or tweens at this point. And like, I feel like bullying because it's so like talked about. There must right. be like a black market of bullying. There must be a secret world of bullying. Obviously, there's a lot online and that's a big thing. But in terms of those types of things, because like I feel like if you get caught saying something like that, wouldn't you be in an, an insane amount of trouble right now? So you're basically what you're saying is that people are calling each other pizza face on the dark web playground. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. That is exactly what I'm saying. Before we let you go, Mo, I have to ask you, you perfect slice. 
Where is it? Where, where is it? Where is it? What's on your perfect slice? My perfect slice is it, it's it's going to be right down the street on Sixth Avenue. Um, it's it's Joe's. All right, there you go. Um, and it is indeed pepperonis and anchovies together. It, it it just has to be the right balance. I mean, it has to be the right balance. Um, the pepperonis can't be the the um, the anchovies can't be too ripe, so they can't be at the point where they're just sort of crumbling. Like sometimes the anchovies are so kind of dark and saturated, they almost look decomposed. They almost look like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they open up the Ark, and it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, they need to. They, it, it, so they need to be. They need to be dead, but they need to be, they need to still be holding together. Um, and they, and of course they need to have that zing. Perfect. Mo, thank you so much. This thank was you. really fun. You were perfect for this and everyone needs to listen to Mobituaries. It's fantastic. Thank you both. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. And long live shakies. <laughs> the fact we got to talk to Mo Rocca about funneling beers made me very, very happy. I love his take on the jumbo slice. Embracing it would give DC more personality. I, by the way, I forgot to mention uh, Senate bean soup. Uh, that's another thing that people say is um, a kind of a signature food of Washington, DC, but it's an inaccessibility precludes it from being one of the city's signature dishes. I'm going to go out there on a limb, Alfred. And if Mo's listening to this, or we can follow up with him and ask him to confirm. But I think it was probably Armand's Chicago Pizzeria in Tenley Town, which opened in 1975 and closed in 2012 that he was referring to. I'd bet that that's the one it is. I, I, did, I did go to Armand's at some point during college, but I think only once. Um, what a gamer. He went everywhere with us, like yeah. on topics. Like It was awesome. He was great. Perfect. Eloquent. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully this episode wasn't too scary for everyone because it was sort of a Halloween spectacular. I didn't say spectacular. The idea of pepperoni, spectacular. The idea of pepperoni and anchovies does scare me a little bit. And I thought that that was a really um, personal and touching uh, story that he related. But I also like loved the t- conversation about God in pizza. Can I? Can I? I know you were trying to. You're trying. To, you're chomping at the bit to close me out here. But I do want to say something about God and pizza. Can I? Can I do this? I mean, I, I'm supposed to. You want me to stomp on your First Amendment rights? I think, in a way, stay with me here for a second. Pizza is kind of like a Buddhist sand mandala, right? You know, those like art forms with the sand where they do these beautiful, very temporary existing structure, uh, like art forms. Um, and it's it's this anticipation, this penultimate moment of completion, the breath of existence that then gives way to entropy or in this case with pizza coagulation. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The circle, the pizza is a circle. It's universally recognized. Slices, universally recognized symbol. You draw a triangle with small circles inside. Almost anyone in the world knows what you're referring to without a word. Taken further, the circle is an ancient and universal symbol of oneness. Wholeness, holiness, infinity, and the sun. To Earth-centered religions in history, it represents the feminine spirit, the cosmos, or spiritualized Mother Earth. And you just watch pizza's high priests, the pizzaiolos, do their work. Inside the circle, there's a spiral, a ladle of life-affirming red sauce that starts in the center and circles ever further outward. That's said to be the oldest symbol used in spiritual practices. The spiral reflects a pattern of evolution and growth. It represents the goddess, the womb, fertility... 
life in nature. It's found in physiology, animals, plants, minerals, energy patterns, weather, growth, and yes, to bring it all back together, death. These sacred symbols remind us of our ever-winding journey as it stretches through life. They represent innocence, rebirth, eternity, and yes, pizza. Despite what we just heard, please tell your friends about this podcast. Support us. I'm Alfred Schultz. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. I'm Arthur Bovino of NYC Best Pizza. Follow the show on a pizza pod party and uni at uni HQ. And remember, a great pie is one you're already thinking about having again before you finish the first slice. Make pizza. The Pizza Pod Party. Please rate and review the podcast. The Pizza Pod Party is hosted by Arthur Bovino and Alfred Schultz. Produced by Arthur Bovino and Alfred Schultz. Created by Arthur Bovino and Alfred Schultz. Researched by Arthur Bovino. Engineered, edited, and mixed by Alfred Schultz. Voiced by the fabulous Holly Palmieri. And presented by Uni Pizza Ovens. Visit uni.com. That's O-O-N-I.com to find out more about the world's number one pizza oven brand. And follow Uni on social media at UniHQ on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok.